Florida Frontiers, the weekly radio magazine of the Florida Historical Society, is made possible in part by the Department of State Division of Historical Resources and the State of Florida. It's also made possible by the Jesse Ball DuPont Fund, the Rossiter House Museum and Gardens in O'Galley, and by Florida's Space Coast Office of Tourism, representing destinations from Titusville to Cocoa Beach to Melbourne Beach. This is Florida Frontiers, the weekly radio magazine of the Florida Historical Society, on the web at myfloridahistory.org. I'm Ben Broatmarkle, and coming up on the program, we'll go to Tallahassee for the annual Florida History Fair. This year's theme is Leadership and Legacy, and you're having to look at both of those. You're having to address what the person or event did at leadership and what legacy it left behind. We'll preview the 2015 Florida Historical Society Annual Meeting and Symposium in St. Augustine, May 22nd through 24th. Every year the Florida Historical Society gets together in May uh, to provide a space for Florida historians, graduate students, uh, and any interested party to get together solely for the purpose of discussing, enjoying, uh, and learning about Florida history. And we'll discuss Spanish exploration in Florida. All that ahead on Florida Frontiers. Teach your children well Their father's hell Did slowly go by And feed them on your dreams The one they picked the one you know by Don't you ever ask them why If they told you you would die So just look at them and More than a thousand students from 32 counties throughout the state wait to hear the judges' decisions from the preliminary rounds of competition at the Florida History Fair. The winners from county competitions come to Tallahassee every year to take part in the Florida History Fair, which is organized by the Museum of Florida History. Trampas Alderman is curator of education at the Museum of Florida History. Florida History Fair is an opportunity for students from 6th grade to 12 to 12th grade to participate in historical research and producing uh, a product, either a documentary, an exhibit, a website, historical paper, or a performance um, using primary sources. Uh, it's a great opportunity for them to learn and while also competition and competing. The student competitors at Florida History Fair must follow strict guidelines. They are not just presenting information, they must also demonstrate analysis and interpretation of their topics. They're not just doing a typical paper you do in, in, in school. This is actually, they're doing what the professionals do. They're looking at, we encourage them to look at primary sources uh, to develop a base from which to draw conclusions and to make uh, historical analysis uh, just like the uh, historian will do or a curator at the museum. Uh, it's an opportunity for, for them to do what the professionals do. Like the student competitors, the judges at the Florida History Fair come from all around the state. Trampas Alderman. We have uh, a wide range of judges, a lot of them from Tallahassee, but they do come in from other parts of the state either as uh, teachers 
associated with History Fair or just as uh, people involved in history that are interested in, in helping us come out and judge. It's been uh, really interesting to see the broad range of judges that we were able to draw from and, and really qualified uh, judges at that. Each year, students must address a particular theme in their papers, projects, and presentations. This year's theme is leadership and legacy, and you're having to look at both of those. You're having to address what the person or event did at leadership and what legacy it left behind. Uh, we've had a large, varied topics um, from Disney to uh, Hitler to Vlad the Impaler, uh, just all over the board, but some really well thought out topics too. Um, so it, it's, it's really been interesting to see what these, how these students interpreted uh, legacy and, and leadership. Not all of the entries at the Florida History Fair deal specifically with Florida themes, but some do. Ashley Williams was part of a group from North Florida Christian School that produced a documentary. Our documentaries on Walt Disney and his legacy from how he did change cartoonism and how he put color into videos and made Mickey Mouse come alive and things like that. Ashley thought that Walt Disney was the perfect choice to address this year's Florida history theme, leadership and legacy. Whenever people think of Florida, they always think of Disney World. So we had to find like the creator of that and how all that came into being. Reese Papel worked with Ashley to create the 10-minute documentary on Walt Disney. First I started out looking for like a timeline of his life that would give me examples of video of different movies and TV shows he made and I found one on the on the Walt Disney Family Museum website and I used that as a base to go throughout his life listing his different movies, his different technological accomplishments and so forth from there. A trio of girls in unusual costumes with gray makeup covering their faces stood out in the crowd of students at Florida History Fair. Carson Klein, Madeline Harold, and Law Tampak from Douglas Anderson School of the Arts in Jacksonville were competing in the performance category with a presentation called The Life of Jesus Christ, Pop Culture Edition. In the webcomic Homestuck, there's actually characters that are representative of people in the story of Jesus, and we use them to help portray our story, and we combine them. Actually, Carson really, really wanted to participate this year, and uh, this is as I, since I'm a senior, and so is Law. Uh, we both said, "Why not? We can do it with you." And the idea of doing Jesus as this, the idea was actually started as a joke because we were bouncing ideas off each other and we kind of said, hey, let's do the story of Jesus and then we actually got interested in the subject and decided, oh, we're actually going to do this seriously. So we merged something we're passionate about, which is Homestuck, we all adore it, and this new topic that we were interested in together to put this little performance together. Personally, I learned a lot more about Jesus in general because I'm not religious but doing all of this research on somebody that motivates people every day and I finally get to see what other people, you know, are motivated by, you know, by his legacy in general is just amazing. And, you know, I've learned a lot about, you know, time crunching and, you know, rehearsing and getting lines right, especially. Uh, <laughs> but this whole experience is 
amazing, especially with the turnout and, you know, everyone's interested in who we are because we simply pop out. But, you know, coming from a school like ours, we can't do anything normal, so. Morgan Hurst from North Bay Haven Charter Academy in Panama City was also competing in the performance category. I did a performance on Marie Laveau. She's a voodoo priestess from New Orleans. Most people think of her as an evil demonic person, but I was trying to portray her as a devout Catholic and trying to get her true story out there. I used some interviews from professors in New Orleans. I used books and historical documents from her time. The sources that I used the most were the Louisiana Writers Project because it was the community and they would write about things that went on in the community and they wrote a lot about her and the things that she did and the miracles she performed. I'm portraying an ancestor in present day of Marie Laveau and I'm just trying to get her true story out there since there are so many shops that portray her as an evil person. So I'm just trying to get her story out there. What made me want to participate is I really like history and performing so when you combine them together you get the history fair. She fits into the category because she demonstrated a lot of leadership throughout her time. She helped with the Civil War, the Battle of New Orleans, and she has a legacy because even, it, even today in Louisiana, they still talk about her and her history. Junior level performers from East Ridge Middle School in Claremont included Link Thompson, Ryan McMurray, Anthony Morhan, Aaron Fussell, and Melissa Atkison. Our performance is called Legendary Mashup, and it's of ancient leaders and song lyrics about them put to modern songs. Um, we look at Julius Caesar, Alexander the Great, Sargon, Hatshepsut, and Chi Hongdi. Well, the songs that we used were Uptown Funk, Burning Up, Jealous, uh, Payphone, and GDFR. And we kind of put our lyrics into it according to how the songs originally sounded. And we just added like dates and times and what the ancient leaders did. So stuff like that. And um, right before our teacher told us about the history fair, we'd done a project where we were doing an Egyptian rap or something. And um, it was this really cool thing and we all did it and we all loved it. And we thought, oh, well, that'd be a really great thing to do for the history thing. Because we've never, um, Lake County had never done it before. And we figured that it'd be new and original, and so we thought it'd be good. It really stands out. We think that we did, like, really good. That was one of our best performances when we did county performance. We did good, but we added on a lot more. We did a little thing in the beginning, so I think that we did way better than county. In the beginning, we had, um, we didn't do this for county, but... We made almost like a little argument throughout all of the characters, the ancient leaders, and it really gave like a lot more information for the actual competition. We, so we explained more about the leaders' legacies and what made them legendary. So we we're kind of like arguing about who was the most legendary leader. We um, only go over these people a little bit in class, and so to be able to make it into a song and look up facts and do it for something we are passionate about, it helped us learn a lot about them because we keep trying to find more and more facts to make our performance better. It makes it makes learning like more exciting because like you get to like find all these different songs, oh what song do you like, oh what song do you like, and then just like take the information that you've already learned and then just put it into this fun song. And it's also helped you remember. And it also helped like not even learning about some of the leaders. It helped us learn that we had to have good teamwork and we had to work together to get the project done. And because if we didn't work together, it'd just be all of us doing solos and that wouldn't be as fun.
The student competitors at Florida History Fair go through a rigorous judging process of preliminary rounds and runoffs. Florida History Fair organizer Trampus Alderman says that the competition doesn't end there for some selected students. If they advance and get first and second here at Florida History Fair, then in, they will advance to uh, the National History Day in College Park, Maryland uh, in June. And uh, it's, it's really quite a competition. There are 55 affiliates, of which Florida is one, uh, all 50 states, uh, and Guam, Puerto Rico, and some other international. So it really is a National History Day. The Florida History Fair is presented annually by the Museum of Florida History on the campus of Tallahassee Community College. Teach your parents well, their children's hell will slowly go by and feed them on your dreams, the one they fix, the one you know by. This is Florida Frontiers, the weekly radio magazine of the Florida Historical Society. I'm Ben Broatmarkle. Visit us on the web at myfloridahistory.org to find great books on Florida history and culture, listen to archived editions of this program, and watch original video. While you're there, click on the Join button to receive our journal, the Florida Historical Quarterly, and our newsletter, the Society Report. That's myfloridahistory.org. Joining us now is Ben DiBiase, Director of Educational Resources for the Florida Historical Society and Archivist at the Library of Florida History in Cocoa. Ben, the 2015 Florida Historical Society Annual Meeting and Symposium is just around the corner. Yeah, that's right. And every year the Florida Historical Society gets together in May uh, to provide a space for Florida historians, graduate students, uh, and any interested party to get together solely for the purpose of discussing, enjoying, uh, and learning about Florida history. And it's a great environment, again, not only for professionals, but for anyone who really has an interest in Florida history to be able to come out uh, to a different city throughout Florida. We travel and, and try and represent uh, geographically the entire state of Florida. We've had meetings in Pensacola, uh, down in South Florida, uh, throughout Central Florida, Southwest Florida. But this year, we'll actually be in St. Augustine. Um, and this year, we're uh, there's a, a kind of a, an added component. We're celebrating the 450th anniversary of the founding of the city of St. Augustine. We're kind of coinciding these two events. Um, and it's just uh, packed full of uh, really a, a lot of uh, great speakers um, and, and a wonderful event that uh, I think should be uh, really special this year. 
and it's being held May 22nd through 24th at the Renaissance World Golf Resort Village in St. Augustine. And as you mentioned, there's a lot of great speakers, more than 100 presenters at this year's event. Yeah, that's right. And it's going to be one of the largest that we've ever held. But the Florida Historical Society has hosted an annual meeting for much of the 20th century and uh, throughout the 21st century every year. Uh, Some notable past speakers have been Marjorie Kinnon Rawlings, who presented in the late 1940s, actually at several meetings. Uh, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas has also presented at meetings. We've had Dr. Michael Gannon, uh, who's a a preeminent Florida history scholar. Uh, But this year we'll be uh, featuring at our Saturday night uh, memorial lecture is uh, Dr. David Colburn, um, who's a longtime Florida historian. Uh, also on uh, our Friday opening session, we'll have the city archaeologist for the city of St. Augustine, Carl Halbert, uh, who's been in that position for over 25 years. He's going to be giving us a fascinating look at um, what it's been like uh, over the, the past 25 years to be the, the city archaeologist for the nation's oldest uh, European uh, Uh, European settlement. So Saturday afternoon, we're going to have a a really uh, special event, uh, uh, a talk with uh, Dr. Robert B. Haling, uh, who was pivotal in the uh, 1964, uh, in the planning of the 1964 uh, Civil Rights March in in St. Augustine, uh, followed immediately by a Reader's Theater event where we'll have a a local theatrical group will be uh, reading uh, sections from uh, Stetson Kennedy's books, The Florida Slave, uh, and also from Palmetto Country. Great. Now, it's not just uh, academic presentations and, and roundtable discussions at the annual meeting and symposium. Uh, there's special events, some of which you've, you've mentioned, but there's also uh, some pretty exciting tours of historic sites. Yeah, that's right. And like I said, every year we plan the annual meeting in a different Florida a different Florida city. So uh, because we're traveling in, around, we want to uh, kind of get outside of the classroom and get outside of just the uh, the academic presentation settings. Uh, so we plan a number of these really exciting tours. Now this year in St. Augustine, we're going to have a, a walking tour throughout the city to discover some of the hidden archival uh, uh, areas throughout the city. Uh, we also have a, a, a trolley tour dedicated uh, to the uh, civil rights uh, um, uh, it points of interest around the city. Uh, there'll also be a historic boat tour. Um, and new this year, we'll be uh, including, I mentioned before, we have a number of uh, academics who, who travel from around the country, uh, graduate students, uh, folks working on their dissertations. Uh, but we're also going to include some of the younger, the, the junior historians throughout our state. Um, every year, the, the Florida Historical Society is, of course, uh, involved with the State History Fair up in Tallahassee, uh, which occurs in early May. And we sponsor two uh, prize for topics on Florida history, we're going to be bringing a few of those students to actually present their papers at our annual meeting. So they'll get an opportunity to uh, talk about their their uh, topics in, in kind of a more academic setting and to share their uh, their hard work with uh, with our Florida history community. Now, the theme for this year's conference is Subjects, Citizens, and Civil Rights, 450 Years of Florida History. And uh, as you mentioned, it, it's a great time to be in St. Augustine with celebrating the 450th anniversary of the uh, establishment of the oldest continuously occupied European city in what is now the United States and all of that great civil rights history, particularly the summer of 1964. And uh, there's going to be all sorts of exciting presentations on those topics, but not just those topics. There's there's really a wide variety of, of things that'll be looked at, right? 
Yeah, that's right. And just like Florida history itself, there's uh, uh, there are a lot of different aspects and dimensions to to our state's uh, really varied and diverse history. Going back to prehistory, and well, we'll have uh, panels on archaeology uh, going up through the colonial period. Uh, we'll have sessions on uh, Florida's environment and the uh, historic preservation, the world wars in Florida. Uh, of course, the focus, as you said, is, is certainly going to be on St. Augustine as the theme of the conference, but uh, with over 100 presenters, uh, we'll get an opportunity to hear the latest and greatest research that's going on on all aspects of our state's history. Um, and we also want to honor those who have uh, really dedicated uh, uh, so much time and effort to, um, to furthering that study. So we're going to have uh, on Friday afternoon an awards luncheon where the Florida Historical Society recognizes these uh, pivotal works, uh, both pub- uh, published works, uh, articles, uh, journal articles, and, uh, and just some of the great things that uh, folks are doing around the state to help further our, uh, the, the study of uh, Florida history. And to find out more and, and register for the conference, people can go to uh, myfloridahistory.org, uh, the Florida Historical Society website. Well, thanks a lot, Ben. Sure, thank you, and I'll see you in St. Augustine. Ben DiBiase is Director of Educational Resources for the Florida Historical Society and Archivist at the Library of Florida History in Cocoa. Let's get together and feel alright. One more thing! Let's get together to fight this holy Armageddon. So when the man comes, there will be no, no do. Chances grow ten. There ain't no hiding place from the Father of Creation. Say it. One love. What about the one? This is Florida Frontiers. The Spanish settled St. Augustine in 1565, making it the oldest continuously occupied European city in what is now the United States. Robert Casanello from robertcasanello.com has this look at Spanish exploration in Florida. For the English, the Spanish, and even the French, even though they were kind of uh, marginalized to the West, by the time you get to the American Revolution, Florida is seen largely as a, a defensive borderland. Or if you're Spain, you want to maintain control of Florida to keep the English and the French away from the more lucrative Caribbean possessions. Keep them away from Mexico. And so utilize the Indians there, utilize the forts there. You know you don't have a lot of resources. You know that a lot of Spanish settlers aren't going to come live there. But you could still use it as a way to keep the competitors from getting the stuff you really want. That was Dr. Daniel Murphy from the University of Central Florida. He was telling me about early Spanish colonial objectives for Florida. Here, Dr. Murphy tells me why the Spanish were initially interested in Florida. The thing about Florida, though, that the other reason it became important to figure out what it was and to map it was because it also became a, a kind of a shipwreck um, place or a center of shipwrecks. The Florida Straits were very treacherous, and as Mexico was being colonized by Spain and the Caribbean in general. This was important because a lot of the, the bullion they were shipping back was going past this, so they wanted to find out more about Florida. Then you get into the, 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 the other reasons. Well, a lot of people thought there might be riches there, there might be gold, there might be, um, the very least, there might be slaves you can obtain there, people you can trade with. And then, of course, there was always this ongoing um, hope there's some kind of passage, some kind of water passage through this either massive islands or this continent that um, will really 
you know, be a game changer in terms of imperial competition, in terms of imperial trade. Dr. Murphy explains to me the early successes and failures of the Spanish exploration of Florida. The, the Ponce de Leon's, the Hernando de Soto's, and all the rest, and there were several different groups, they'd get backing, they, they'd advertise these expeditions, they'd get investors to back it in Spain, and they'd talk about all these wonderful things, and then they'd get there, and it was, it, what's telling is that despite all the reasons they would have for not talking about how bad it was, all of them in one way or another would actually write letters back saying, wow, this is really bad, which really shows you this, the gravity or the scale of how, how much worse it was than they expected. What they encountered typically is, they, they, first, the geographic realizations. They, and you know, the, the, the Hernando de Soto's, the Ponce de Leon's, as, as unsuccessful as they were for their goals, they did succeed in mapping it. So they did figure out it was a peninsula, what they found in this peninsula was not the gold they expected. The, these, they did try to enslave natives, and on occasion they would ship these natives back, but in much smaller numbers than they thought. And more importantly, the natives were much more effectively resistant. Compounding the problems of Spanish exploration were the myths that traveled back and forth between Europe and the Americas. Dr. Murphy tells us about the legend of Chicora. One of these Spanish expeditions up the Atlantic coast, and, and right around South Carolina, they encountered this very Atlantic world personality, a, guy, a Native American, who they designated as Francisco Chicora. And what Chicora told them, which was very common for natives that encountered Spaniards, was that if you just go a little bit further, you're going to find these bountiful lands. Lands, uh, New Andalusia is what they, they called it. These lands where you can grow anything you want to grow, you can prosper, you can profit. This would be a great place to establish settlements, which of course caused many Spaniards to launch more expeditions. I, uh, many people wanted to form colonies, you know. Um, but it's just like El Dorado, it's just like all the other legends. It wasn't true. These riches, or at least these easy riches that, that were, were said to be up there weren't there. But just like El Dorado and Chicora and all the rest of them, they maintained, they persisted, even when the reality was seen to be different. So many people wanted to find it. So many people saw it as a good investment option back in Europe that people perpetuated and perpetuated these, these ideas. And this is what the Sotos did, all the explorers did. It was almost one of these situations where even if Chicora didn't exist, you couldn't admit that because then you're going to stunt this whole colonial enterprise. And there were too many people invested in it to kind of accept that reality. That was Dr. Daniel Murphy. I interviewed him and others for the podcast series, The History of Central Florida. You can find it on iTunes. I'm Robert Castanello with Florida Frontiers. You've been listening to Florida Frontiers, the weekly radio magazine of the Florida Historical Society. Visit us on the web at myfloridahistory.org to register for our annual meeting and symposium in St. Augustine, I'll be there along with Ben DiBiase, Robert Casanello, and the editor of our program, John White. Have a great week. I'm Ben Broatmarkle.
Florida Frontiers, the weekly radio magazine of the Florida Historical Society, is made possible in part by the Department of State Division of Historical Resources and the State of Florida. It's also made possible by the Jesse Ball DuPont Fund, the Rossiter House Museum and Gardens in O'Galley, and by Florida's Space Coast Office of Tourism, representing destinations from Titusville to Cocoa Beach to Melbourne Beach.